4 o'clock on West 90.3 WESS. It's another episode of The Breakdown. Nick Federico and Andy Perez. What's going on, everybody? My colleague, Andy Perez. What's up, buddy? Andy, are yeah, you here? Yeah, we're good to go. All right. Love to hear that. That's all right. Yep, yep. We're, we're used to this. We're, uh, you know, we're a little, we're still new at this. It's, hey, it's still going to take some time. Yeah, right back into it. A lot going on in sports. You know, the Super Bowl is set. NBA, a lot going on. We got some Hall of Fame going on with MLB. So, uh, a lot to get into, man. Yes, sir. All right. So, let's get into it, buddy. Let's start with football first. The NFC Championship game, right? You got some thoughts. Let's hear them. Yeah. Listen, that's the big story. Um, you know, Tom Brady, we were talking about it last show. He actually got to his 10th Super Bowl. Um, you know, the Packers come up a little short. There's a couple sequences there that uh, it kind of the Packers could have done better in. But overall, I mean, you got to give credit to Tom Brady where it's due. But, listen, I was not happy. I think... You know, that call uh, to not go for it on fourth down is what everybody's speaking about with Matt LaFleur. But, I mean, I don't think that was, you know, the difference in the game. There were a couple holding calls that weren't called. You don't even go on that. Uh, Aaron Jones kind of left, uh, was injured in the first half of Packers, so we really didn't see him much of the second half. I think people didn't talk about that enough. Um, but overall, I mean, you know, the Packers just did not capitalize. Brady threw three picks. And they did not capitalize. A couple were three and outs in the fourth that just usually you don't see happen with the Packers' offensive season. Uh, one of the best offenses, you know, they're great in the red zone. And it just it just didn't happen at Lambeau, and I was shocked, you know, because of a few takeaways. But got to give credit where it's due to the Bucks. Yeah, buddy. I think early on, this one. Like, early on, we saw this game. I thought it was going to be an absolute rout. Like, the Bucks were up 21-10, to 10, and the Packers just kind of looked lifeless, you know? it was. It's a weird thing to say because the Packers have been so electric all year long. But then we start the second half, and Tom Brady all of a sudden starts looking like 2020 wildcard round Tom Brady, which was weird. He's throwing three yeah. straight interceptions. But the thing was for the Packers is that they can only muster one touchdown on three straight Brady interceptions. And But, but you know what's yeah. funny to me, though? Everyone wants to talk about the fourth down call. Aaron Rodgers not running for it on second and third down. And believe me, I'll rip him for that later. But if the Packers go and they turn those two interceptions, those other two two interceptions, into points, they're winning this game, buddy. Yeah, there's no question. There's no question. You know, after those two picks, you know, after the first one, I see, you know, this is the golden opportunity. Come on, Packers. You know, this is the golden opportunity. Tom Brady with a turnover. He did not capitalize. But, you know, another thing is, you know, the Packers defense, you know, giving up those long balls, especially at the end of that first half to Scotty Miller, when there's less than 10 seconds left, I think that was, you know, one of the biggest plays of the game. Because instead of, you know, being 17-10 potentially, they just take a field goal. You you give Tom Brady, you know, a, a, a touchdown. Scotty just goes right over coverage. I think, you know, that's just unacceptable from the Packers' side of defense. So I think that was a big turning point um, in the game. Along with, you said, the the times that they did not convert off those interceptions, it was just, it was just too much to overcome there in the end. So let's talk about that goal line sequence, buddy. Like... The Packers go 58 yards to the Tampa Bay 8-yard line. And we're thinking, no problem, they're going to score, right? But the play calling, I have to kind of criticize a little bit. Malafloor is a good play caller. Like, let's not get that straight. But three straight throws in that position, there's not one designed run. Like, where, like I think I, it was either Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams. One of them got hurt. Do you, do you remember which one? I don't yeah, remember. Jones got hurt, so it was Williams which one? running in that sequence. Okay. So, but... On second and third downs, which is, I don't think people talk about it enough, to be honest with you, Aaron Rodgers had the whole Pacific Ocean to run through. Did he not? Yeah, listen, I, you know, um, something that we saw from Rodgers is that he, he was operating under the fact that he thought he had four downs. Mm-hmm. And he thought any situation, he would still go for it on the fourth. So maybe his thinking is, 
you know, he sees Devontae, he sees, you know, a slither, a slither of openness, and he, th- he thinks, you know, let me try to get it to my best receiver and make a play. If not, I still have another down to get it done. But I completely agree with you. It was, uh, you know, misjudgment, and very rare do we see uh, Aaron Rodgers not make, you know, good decisions, you know, especially late in games when it matters. And you know, I thought in that third down, they were at the eight-yard line. He could have easily at least gotten, you know, five, six, seven yards. And then, you know, you're a couple yards away from the goal line. So, yeah, that, that was a huge play, a huge sequence, obviously. Yeah, and then also uh, the hold, uh, when the, 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 the Buccaneers were, there were two minutes left, the hold there on, on the receiver on third down, which it was basically game. You know, you got to do a better job of not. It was just, it was just too much right there. But it also didn't make anything better that, you know, Rodgers on second, third down, you know, it just didn't make anything better that way. And, not to mention, he forces two balls to Lazard and Devontae Adams. He had he had no room to try and throw those footballs in that situation. I understand you're the great Aaron Rodgers. I totally understand that. He can make every throw in the book, right? But it's obvious that he kind of saw those running lanes. You could see it. You could see it in his eyes in the replay. You could tell that... He saw those running lanes, and but in in that situation, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm putting my body on the line. I'm stretching out for that goal line. It's the for NFC sure. Championship, dude. No, yeah, that's for sure. Listen, I think you know he kind of you know he does you know subtle fakes and things of that sort. You know, I think it just got a little too fast for him. You know, bad to say, but yo, he just wanted to make that throw, and then you know he sees the open space. It was like a little too fast for him, and he just reacted too quickly. But, you know, obviously, in hindsight, I think you'd run that at the minimum, you know, get six or seven yards, and you're a couple yards away. Most likely, you convert on fourth down, and that that's all it came down to. And then we have the obvious, like, Matt LaFleur decision to, you know, instead of go and score the touchdown on fourth down, or at least attempt it, to kick a field goal. I don't like it at all. I don't like it at all. You need a touchdown either way. You know, you're down eight, so... Whether you kick the field goal, you won't be down five, or, or not kick it, or then you miss on fourth down, then you still have to get another TD. Either way. So I don't like the decision at all. I think you go for it there. You're betting on Tom Brady, who has done how many you know game-winning drives. You're telling me you're dependent on him not even getting a first down. So that's what you're relying on there to get the ball back. So I don't like the decision at all. And I think yeah, that was a really scared call from Alaphor. And, yeah, I, I didn't like that decision. But at the same time, like, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, right, don't you think that he has veto power over Matt LaFleur to say, no, we're going for it here? Listen, I, I, I believe so, too. But, you know, there are certain situations where I guess he does, and then certain situations where he doesn't. Do we know those situations? I guess now, now we do. But, yeah, I guess, you know, Rodgers has to do something if he had – the power to, but at the end of the day, that decision comes down to Lafleur, and I think it was a really bad one. But and another thing that I have too, Andy, is that if you're Matt Lafleur, right, you've seen Tom Brady in his career, like so many comebacks in his career, but you're gonna go and give Tom Brady the football with the scent, like you're gonna go give the greatest of all time the football with the lead, no less. It's the lead, and all he has to get is a first down, essentially. Like, Tom Brady's done how many game-winning drives down the field? Too many. You're telling this man, like, he, he just has to get... I think it's, you know, very, very cocky move there by LaFleury, depending on the defense, who, for the most part, was pretty bad almost all day against the Bucks. You know, they had a the couple picks. You know, maybe some of those decisions were bad on Brady, just easy, you know, easy reads, but for the most part... The Packers were not good on defense, so it was just really bad play gambling on them, and you know it didn't pay off at all. And so um, Green Bay, with, with all these expectations that they had, you know the number one seed in the NFC and, and all this, and and now Aaron Rodgers' comments, of course, about his uncertain future in, in Green Bay. Come on, we all know that he's going to remain in Green Bay until his career is over. Let's be real here. But, I mean, I mean, that call, and I feel sorry for our friend, uh, Cheesehead Joe, that does show, that does, you know, the Packers shows at night. Like, yeah. 
I can only imagine what he's thinking right now. <laughs> Listen, this is a, was a golden opportunity for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. It's his first NFC championship that he gets to host at Lambeau. You know, your weapons are good. Devontae's there. You know, like I said, Jones got injured in the first half, which sucks. But you have weapons. You know, the defense is not as great as you would have liked it to be, but they made plays when it mattered. And, you know, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers did not capitalize. And, you know, he's been to one Super Bowl in his tenure. One of the greatest quarterbacks ever, one of the most talented, is just it's just not a good look for the Packers. And, you know, Rodgers, you know, took a slight hit to his legacy as much as, you know, it pains me to say he did take a slight hit. And, you know, that, that's just what it is at this point. Yep. All right, so let's move on to the AFC Championship game because we, you know, we tend to ramble, ramble on this show a lot. We say that yeah, all the yeah, time. But... Sure. Yep, there's two teams in the Super Bowl, you know, Tampa Bay and, you know, the Chiefs down there. Yeah, man. I mean, did we really expect anything less? I know we said that the game was going to be close, and that, that's on record. Like, let's let's be real about that. But did we expect anything less, even though Mahomes was like completely hobbled? Yeah, I mean, to me, you know, it was kind of never in doubt. You know, the Bills got off to, to a good start. They, they started off nine zero in the first quarter. You know, there's you think, okay, here here we go. There's some hope. You know, Josh Josh Allen's looking good. He's looking composed. But, you know, just like that, he snapping a finger, his Chiefs offense it just explodes. Tyreek Hill, a cheetah. He's literally a cheetah. That man is so fast, and nobody can contain him right now. Travis Kelsey look like, just looks like a man amongst boys out there. You know, he got 13 receptions, 118 yards, two TDs. Mahomes, business as usual, 300-plus yards, three TDs. I mean... It kind of felt like it was never up to me after that first quarter. Um, and, you know, at the half, it was 21 to 12. And I'm like, yeah, you guys look like they're going to coast a little bit. And, yeah, it was never in doubt to me. Yeah, I know. I think it, I think we got – it was a little bit of an interesting, in, interesting start. Excuse me. I forget how to speak sometimes. When the yeah. Bills went up with 9 nothing, Then I was like, oh, okay, all right, that we might have a game here. But at the end of the day, you know, the Chiefs scored the 21 unanswered points. The Bills just couldn't catch up at that point. And you know, and I kind of feel that the score itself—it was thirty-eight twenty-four. The score seemed a little bit, you know, better than the game was itself. You know, the Bills get the late touchdown, the late field goal, and you know, the Bills end up making it somewhat respectable. But I don't know, man. Uh, I kind of knew the Chiefs were—I I, kind of knew the Chiefs were going to win, obviously. But I didn't think it was going to be a blowout. But I'm not surprised at the same time. Yeah, they handled it, you know, pretty easily. You know, Stephon Diggs, you know, for his standards, had a quiet game, you know, just six, six catches, 77 yards, um, you know, relatively quiet game. And they got really nothing out of their run game outside of Josh Allen. He rushed for 88 yards. And, you know, the rest the rest of the Bills, Singletary only ran for 17. They didn't really get much on the ground. Uh, you know, Allen had that, that one pick. So, I mean, it was it was just... You know, the Chiefs are too much right now. And, you know, the Bills, you know, hats off to them. They had a great season. Josh Allen is looking like he's he's progressing, as I said last week. You know, becoming that elite quarterback, which was a great experience for them. You know, AFC title game against Mahomes and the Stag Chiefs. So I think it only goes up from here for the Bills. And, you know, they, they have a great core. So I don't think it's anything to be ashamed of. And of course, if I forgot to mention, because we got off to a little bit of a slow start in the show, that both me and Andy's opinions do not reflect everybody at the station here at WESS and all that good stuff we got to take care of. Now that we got that out of the way, buddy, Brady Mahomes. Is it the matchup we wanted? I I don't know. I don't know about that. I would have liked Mahomes and uh, and Aaron Rodgers. But we'll take it. (laughs) We'll take it. Listen. This, this, yeah, I would have wanted Mahomes and Rodgers, but you cannot complain at Mahomes Brady at all. You know, I think this is just a crazy, you know, clashing of eras. And, you know, when we look back, you know, the end of Tom Brady, you know, right in the beginning of Mahomes' prime, that these guys actually get to face in the Super Bowl, I think is absolutely incredible. You know, Tom Brady, obviously the GOAT, and Mahomes' potential GOAT, in my eyes, um, you know, he's got off to a Incredibly fast start. So Tampa and uh, the Chiefs are going to face in the Super Bowl. So we wanted to kind of, you know, go through these guys' legacy a little bit and think, you know, who has from this Super Bowl? Mahomes, you know, I want to know. 
obviously Brady six and three. Who has more to gain, in your opinion, right now, like if they win the Super Bowl? I gotta tell you, buddy. I think Mahomes has more to gain in this situation, and I think it's like I think it's pretty obvious. You know, he needs to. He's got the pressure. Don't get me wrong. To live up to that ten-year, four hundred fifty million dollar contract. Like, that's a big contract. That's basically the whole franchise putting all their chips in a bucket and saying, here, go make a dynasty out of it. But for Mahomes, winning back-to-back rings here will make him the first quarterback since Tom Brady himself to do it. So, and, and his legacy can only go up from here, to be honest with you. So I think Mahomes has more to gain. As far as Tom Brady goes, I think it's more... I was I'm kind of torn between... He gains by winning, obviously, but if he loses, that's also a big thing. So I'm going to say Brady has more to lose, kind of. Put an asterisk next to that because this is Brady's first time in the Super Bowl without Bill Belichick and the Patriots. And there's been all that talk that, you know, Brady can't win without Bill. The Patriot way is the only way, supposedly. (laughs) But... I don't think Tom Brady just doesn't seem like that guy where he would put that out there and say, you know, this bothers me. But you know deep inside, he wants to win without Bill and the Patriots. And he and he cares about that in my opinion. But if he doesn't, it'll I like Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't think it's even a topic anymore of discussion. If you want to discuss it, I'll be more than happy to. I just don't think it's even up for debate anymore at this point. But Tom Brady, you know deep inside and that competitive fire that he has in his chest, he wants to win without Bill Belichick and prove that he's not a system quarterback, which I think is ridiculous to begin with, that we think Tom Brady is a system quarterback, but nonetheless. Yeah, I think, you know, you, you hit a lot of good points, and, and that's where I was going, you know, in terms of who has more to gain. You know, the talk over the past couple of years, obviously, and a lot of Brady's career has been that Belichick-Brady, who can win? without the other, you know, who's better than out the other, who's the bigger factor for the Patriots dynasty. And I think this is obviously Brady's golden chance. You know, his first year at the Bucks, you know, even to get them to the Super Bowl is a huge accomplishment. But let's say he loses and he gets blown out and it's not close or, you know, a situation like that happens or he doesn't play well, then I think the, the, the questions will still arise between, you know, that Brady, Belichick, and things of that nature, on Mahomes' side, you know, he's 1-0. and And, you know, starting off 2-0 and compared to 1-1, and especially if you beat the guy, you know, Digo, the guy who you can potentially pass over, I think is huge in Mahomes' legacy if he can beat him. So I'm kind of torn, but I think it's really close. I would say, man, I would say Mahomes has more to gain because I think if he gets this win over Brady, now the potential gold debates for him, you know, in his mid-20s are real. And, and you know, they're going to have that argument of, you know, he actually beat Brady in the Super Bowl when comparing the, the, each other. So, you know, let's say, you know, 10, 10 years down the line, Mahomes has, you know, four, maybe five rings, only loses, you know, doesn't lose or only loses once. It's going to be very comparable. And people will point to the Super Bowl kind of as, as a point of reference and say, you know, maybe Mahomes is the goer, things of that nature. So that's who I am, although I think it is it is very close, to be honest. See, I just think that Tom Brady's legacy is pretty much already written. So win or lose, I don't think that'll change whether he's the best quarterback of all time. Yeah. But there's always going to be that. If Tom Brady retires and he doesn't win one without Bill Belichick, then there's always going to be that question whether he could do it or not. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I, I think I think you're right on point. And you know, I think if he wins and it's seven, you know, he gets seven, I think, you know, there's no chance for Mahomes to recover and, you know, potentially catch him. That that's where I am. I think, you know, if he ends up, you know, seven and three, seven chips, you know, Mahomes obviously one and one with the loss to him. I think it's too much to to, to come back from from Mahomes in that debate. Um but yeah, it's it's just a, it's a clash of the titans, man. I'm so excited, and you know I wanted Packers, but either way, this is this is a great Super Bowl we got. Yeah, for sure, and we'll be talking about it more in depth next week. I just thought we thought this was interesting to talk about. It's Mahomes, Brady. Mahomes has already been like 
crowned the the next goat, but we'll see what happens <laughs> after after next Sunday. So we'll get into this a little bit before we take our first break. Deshaun Watson has officially requested a trade out of Houston. Boy, am I excited! Wow, wow. I mean, uh, Deshaun Watson at twenty five in his prime. You know, a top five, you know, to some people, maybe top three QB, depending who you're talking to. You just don't see these guys on the market, you know, at this age. You know, so obviously things are going on behind behind the scenes in Houston, you know, that we don't know about, essentially. But I think, you know, it's just crazy. And I think, you know, more than half the league should be in on Deshaun. And whoever is not, that doesn't have a, you know, elite QB, I think, you know, should be all in and the GMs should go all in and your Jets need to be one of those teams. Man, oh man. Like I I I get so excited and I'm and I should be to be honest with you. Like I don't mean to sound like a little conceited there, but I should be excited because the Jets have the most to offer Houston. Yep. Like number 2 overall pick, Houston is picking a quarterback. Like that's that goes without saying pretty much. The Jets give up a couple draft picks, but they get Deshaun Watson, a top five quarterback in his prime, like you said. I just don't see, like we talked about it a little last week, but I just don't see how this doesn't like intrigue Joe Douglas, the GM of the Jets, at least a little bit. Yeah, and you know, other teams, you know, that that have you know any draft capital or you know any assets, you know, guys who who don't have QBs, you know, I'm looking at you know teams like the Giants. You know, team, teams like that also, you know, should go all in, you know, give up a, a Jones, a couple picks. You know, all these teams should should really should really go all in. And, sheesh, it's going to be whoever ends up with them, um, that franchise will be transformed for the next decade. And they will not, you know, barring injury, obviously, knock on wood, they will not have to have to worry about the QB position, you know, for the next decade. Mm-hmm. So you, you can nail that in. And sheesh, it's 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 gonna be a, a crazy trade wherever he goes. Yes, sir. And I'm and I'm prepared to have my my hopes let down. I'm prepared because nothing good ever happens when you're a Jets fan. Listen, but you guys, you guys, like you said, you guys have the number two pick. You guys have the capital. Got a new coach. It seems like this is kind of the the changing of the era, the changing of the ways. You know, maybe of the Jets potentially. You know, kind of starts at the top. It's like a big, big trade, a big splash. And a you know how many year. times I've heard that, though? Like, things <laughs> hey. are going to change. This is the new era of Jet football. <laughs> Got to prove it to hey. me. And it starts with trading for Deshaun Watson. Hey, that's for sure. You have a guy like Deshaun, at, you know, a leader like that at the head of your team. That just that changes everything. So, whew, it's going to be crazy to see where he lands. Absolutely, my friend. All right, 25 after 4 here on 90.3 WESS. Here you're listening to The Breakdown. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, a lot of NBA action we have to talk about, some baseball Hall of Fame. No 2021 class this year, buddy, so we'll dive into that a little bit. And, of course, everyone's favorite segment, Take It or Leave It. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Breakdown on 90.3 WESS. Everyone loves some hove, right, Andy? Hey, of course, always. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to the breakdown here on 90.3 WESS, your go to talk, sports talk radio show here on 90.3 WESS. Andy, we got basketball to talk about, buddy. Oh, we have some basketball. You know, this season has been, you know, so good so far. A lot of, you know, surprising players, surprising teams. But we're going to start with uh, the Sixers-Lakers game yesterday. The Sixers end up taking it 107-106. Tobias Harris with the game winner with a couple seconds left in regulation. Um, You know, the Sixers are looking really good. Ben Simmons had a triple-double. You know, Embiid had a strong first half and ended up with 28. And like I said, Tobias filling in and getting a win against the defending champs. Um, who started off 10-0 and on the road. So this is the Lakers' first road loss. And Philly has been looking really good so far. So we want to just uh, go around the topic. Is Philly the real deal here? And what do you think is, you know, their ceiling this season, Nick? Well, first I have to know, buddy, how bad did that loss hurt for you last night? Ah, I was watching Come that Come on, game. I had to ask. Oh, it, 
AB with less than 10 seconds, he gets the bunny layup, we're up a point, and I'm thinking, ah, oh, we're good. The comeback is secure. The Lakers were down, you know, about 11 points with five minutes left. So uh, the Sixers kind of coughed up that lead. But at the end of the day, Tobias, a good isolation play, a couple dribbles, gets to his spot. That's what the Sixers are going to need to be the real deal. But it hurt a little bit, but I'm not too worried about the Lakers. I know. You still think they're going to win the whole thing. Even You're not scared oh, yeah. of the Nets, are you? Oh, no, I'm not scared of the Nets at all. All right. At all. They're, you know, the trio's over there, but I, I'm, I'm sticking with the Lake show. Okay, fair enough. All right, so you asked the question. Do we think? Do I think the Sixers are for real? I do. Yeah. I honestly do. I mean, beating Miami twice, beating Boston twice. All right, they didn't have Jason Tatum. Boston's still a good team, though. They're going to be there in the Eastern Conference, no doubt. But and then they get this buzzer beater win over the Lakers last night. Just like to spit some numbers out real quick. Number one in the East, thirteen and six, ten and one at Wells Fargo. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. If you're a good home team, that's going to do wonders for you in the playoffs. Especially if you're up in the seedings like they are first in the conference. Right, exactly. So the thing that like I expected Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris to average 20-plus points. You know, those are your two premium scorers. Uh, I don't have much love for Ben Simmons, as people probably know on the show listening. I don't have much love. I, if you tell me that Philly has a big three, I will argue that there's a big two. Not a big Ben Simmons guy. That's my opinion. That'll differ from everybody else. But I also do like that Seth Curry is finding like a real home here in Philly. He's playing real well right now. And Danny Green's normally doing his thing that he does. Like he's a good role player on any team that he goes to. But the most surprising aspect for me, Andy, is the bench play for the Sixers. Tyrese Maxey in in particular, Shake Milton as well, being that third leading scorer on the Sixers. And even Dwight Howard's finding a home here in Philly after winning a ring in L.A. So, and I think that was a big problem that Philly had last year, two years ago. They didn't have a bench. Now they might. So, I think they're for real. Oh, I agree with a lot of your points there. So what do you disagree with, then? I can tell already. What I will disagree with is I am a Ben Simmons guy. I understand. I like Ben Simmons. Um, obviously Why? his offensive arsenal is not there where we want it to be, mm-hmm. but I think he does so many other things well. Obviously, a phenomenal facilitator. He can, you know, he can grab boards, great for his position, you know, at six nine, six ten. And his defense, you know, he's a defensive player of the year, you know, candidate. I think last year he finished in the top five. So I think what he brings from that end is just you can't you can't buy and you can't really you know, put into stats. Um, so that's the only really part I disagree with you. But for the most part, I do agree with you that the Sixers are the real deal. And what are we saying, you know, the real deal in terms of they can legitimately, you know, go to the conference finals and potentially, you know, push the Nets, the Bucks, whoever they might face and get to a finals. And then who knows what happens in finals when you have you know, a talent like Embiid, um, you know, you got, you know, I told bias. And the Sixers are gelling so well right now. When their starting five plays this year, I saw this stat on ESPN.com. Um, they're a 10-0 and 0 when their starting five all are playing. You know, Seth Curry missed a little bit of time with the virus, and Bede's been in and out a little bit. Um, but when they are playing, they're 10-0. And, and like you said, the bench looks good. Shake Milton, Bible, Dwight's finding his niche. So I think it was a great, you know, statement kind of win for them. Uh, yesterday in terms of, yo, we are here, we are legit, and we can make a real push. And with a guy like Embiid, who's playing out of his mind right now, you know, he's averaging 27 and 11 off 55% shooting, 40% from three. These has come from basketballreference.com. Um, he, he's just a guy who can go all out and really transform a playoff series. And B, I got to have, you know, 35 and 15 for a series and, and go all go all out. So, I think the Sixers are for real. And earlier, before the season, I actually, I had the Nets going to the finals. That was before the Harden trade and everything. But I'm really thinking of moving my pick to the Sixers. That's how much I believe in them and their unit right now. Do you think one seed for Philly? Like, they're on a good roll right now, but the Nets, the Boston, 
the Pacers even. I'm not saying they would get a one seed, yeah. but, but do you think one listen, seed for the Sixers? I think I think um, it, it all comes down to Embiid's health, you know, for the totality of the season. Can he stay healthy, you know, for the rest of the season, you know, only miss a couple games, be there almost every single game, putting in his work, putting in his numbers. I think if he's healthy with the rest of this roster, I think there's no question that they can get the first seed. You know, you obviously have a couple, you know, regular season juggernauts in terms of Milwaukee. You know, Boston's usually good in the regular season. Um, like I said, Milwaukee had, you know, the best record in the East the past two seasons, so maybe they're going to they're gonna get their push. But I think the Sixers can definitely get the first seed. And if they do, you know, maybe come playoff time, you know, some fans are back in attendance and they love playing at home, it can be a big factor. So one of those teams I think Philly is going to meet with in the playoffs is the Brooklyn Nets. And we've come to talk about them last week and the hype surrounding them last year when we were here at the station. This Nets trio through seven games, they have strengths, they have weaknesses. But they're still trying to gel. I, to- I to- we totally understand that seven games in, they're not going to figure it out in seven games, basically two in two and a half weeks. Yeah. Let's just say. So obvious strengths for the Nets: scoring, scoring, more scoring. Like that's that's their strength, ISO, Andy. That's ISO, it. ISO, ISO, more ISO. <laughs> yeah, exactly, buddy. But KD Kyrie averaging thir- about thirty per. Kyrie, uh, KD's definitely averaging 30. Kyrie's like 38, 39 right now. Harden himself averaging 25. And I wanted, I'm, and I'll get to James Harden in a little bit because, you know, we got another topic to talk about, which might come controversial to some basketball fans out there, but uh, I will give my take later. But there's a reason that, like, when you're the first team, when you're the first rated scoring team in the NBA, you're first in scoring. And I think they have like 100, 120 points a game, something like that with three of the top ten players in the league, in the world even, like you knew this would be the case. The Nets were going to be an elite scoring team and borderline unstoppable. Like that's their strength. They're going to outscore teams. I think that's their strength. You probably agree, but if you want to add something, go ahead. Yeah, for sure. Of course I agree. You know, individually, you know, these guys, Kyrie, Harden, KD, are so skilled. They can, you know, they can all get their shots at will. They can all, you know, shoot it. They can all get to the hole. But, um, you know, I think, you know, one of their glaring weaknesses, obviously, is their their big men play. And, you know, they only have DeAndre Jordan right now as a center. You know, a lot of times they go to Jeff Green at their five, which, you know, for certain teams, it's just not going to fly. And, you know, that certain team in the East that we were just talking about has, you know, a seven foot one, you know, 280-plus-pound guy in Embiid who – Jeff Green and DeAndre will not cut it with him. So they have needs to address for sure. I think, you know, big men is one of the first. And also, their defense and their bench, it's just we, not convincing wait, bef- right before now. Before we get to that, can we expand on the, the role of the five for the New York, for the, wow, the New York Nets, the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, go ahead. They don't have a true, like you said, they don't have a true five. You can't rely on DeAndre Jordan to play 25 per minutes of defense, you know, he's almost 100 years old. I'm exaggerating, obviously, but... Yep, not as effective, yep. That's that's why I think the Nets should go out and go get Andre Drummond. I don't know what they're going to trade for him, to be honest with you, but there have been talks that the Nets are interested in acquiring Andre Drummond. But I was watching that game last night when they played the Hawks. At one point, KD was playing the five, and I'm like, there's some trouble here. On offense, look, on offense, KD can be a stretch five, and you will have, you know, definitely issues trying to guard that. But then come defense, you have any skilled big man, um, they will put KD in the cycle. Like like Shaq says, that would be barbecue chicken. Um, but, <laughs> you know, Andre Jumman, I think, is, is a, big, a big get if they can. And I've heard the you know, same rumors that he might be bought out and, you know, be able to go straight to the Nets, that is what I don't want, okay? Mm-hmm. Because Drummond is, is is pretty good defensively. We all know he's one of the best rebounders. You know, that is the type of big they need. Yes, he can't really stretch the floor, but that would just be such an upgrade to, to DeAndre Jordan. You know, me as the Lakers, I, I'm hoping, you know, the Nets don't grab him. But if they do, that could um, definitely help one of their main issues. 
Yeah, it's it's not helping that they're giving up 128 points last last night to the Hawks. Granted, an overtime game, very good scoring team. I totally understand all that, but like I said before, you can't rely on DeAndre Jordan, older veteran in his career at this point, can't get up like he used to. Like, come playoff time, these are my questions. Come playoff time, like and even right now, can the Nets defend the Bucks with Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Philly's duo of Embiid and Tobias Harris, and Indiana. We'll throw Indiana in there, and, and Boston, of course, with Tatum and Jalen Brown and, and everybody, and Kemba Walker. I presently presented, the net. I don't think the Nets can defend those guys if it's one-on-one battle, but where the Nets have the upper hand is they can outscore teams, so they can kind of overcome that sometimes. The Nets will outscore you. They won't out like turnover you. They won't cause more turnovers than you do, but they will outscore you. Yeah, for sure. And you know, the thing is also late in games, it's kind of you know a pick 'em. Like, who's going to take the last shot? Uh, who is it defined? There's really no defined role. Some days it's Harden, some days it's Kyrie, some games it's KD. You know, Harden missed uh, the game-winning shot yesterday against the Hawks. So I think you know that kind of clear uh, role. Um, you know, presence is is key in in, in championship teams, mm-hmm. and their lack of that, I think, will be big. But we will see. The Nets super talented, and they're going to be exciting to follow for the rest of the year for sure. All right, we're running a little close on time, so I want I definitely want to get to this. I think we'll save some baseball for next week if we can, because it's going to be okay. mainly the Super Bowl. But you know, we'll get some baseball yeah. in there about the Hall of Fame. So stay tuned next week for that if you were wanting to hear about the Hall of Fame stuff, Andy. I'm going to ask you first, your early MVP in the NBA, obviously. Right now, it's really tough because I think there's obviously a handful of guys who deserve a lot of recognition. But right now, to me, it's it's between Embiid and LeBron as of now to me. You know, records in the past have been a big part of MVP voting. Uh, you know, the Lakers obviously just slid down to second seed, but I think they'll be fine, still secure a top two seed. And the Sixers obviously being the top seed, I think that is big in terms of MVP voting. And, uh, you know, Braun at, at 36, he's still putting up 25, 8, and 7 on 50%. Like I said, and Embiid 27 and 11, shooting 40% from three. That's just what's big for me from Embiid, you know, doing a lot for this Sixers team. But my honorable mention and guys, that people do not talk about enough and does not get enough love for sure is my guy Nikola Jokic from Denver. This man has been an absolute beast this season. You know, for the better part of the year, was averaging a triple-double. You know, he just got down now to nine assists, averaging 25, 12, and 9 on 57%. These stats come from basketballreference.com. Um, so I think he is an honorable mention. Denver has been getting more wins. They're climbing up the standings. And I think he has a legit shot. But as of now, I really can't even pick. I can't pick. But if I had to vote right now, I think I'd still go LeBron. Hey, it's still early. Still early. Yeah, it's still early. Still but a lot of basketball. Don't kill me on this, okay? But okay. I have I have a reason. Okay. I know that the Nets are KD's team, right? Totally get mm-hmm. it. I understand. But if I had to pick between Kevin Durant or James Harden right now. Okay. I'm going with the beard. And wow. I, I am. I, here's my reasons why. Okay. Okay. He handled the Houston situation horribly, like a child. Let's, let's just say how it is. He did, yeah. But in these, and I understand small sample size, but I think it's only going to get better from here. Let me preface that first. But in seven games with the Nets right now, Andy, he has completely retooled his game to where I think, in my opinion, he's playing his best basketball right now. The guy has had 10-plus assists in six of these last of his first seven games as a net, and he's had four blocks in that span of seven games. Like, that's not Houston Rockets' James Harden. That's just not. He, he was the iso ball guy. He was the Houston Rockets. And I'm going to use this word, you know, carefully – but his ability to adapt to this new situation in Brooklyn, being more than a scorer, is valuable to the Nets. Valuable, most valuable player. I think 
That's just, I right now he's my league MVP because he has been able to adapt his game to fit around Kevin Durant and around Kyrie Irving. And, you know, it may be far-fetched, but I came up with this comparison in my head. I don't want to get killed for it. I want to know your opinion, of course. But I think right now, and I'm not saying Harden is better than KD. I'm not saying that. But presently, right now, I think Harden is playing that same role that LeBron did in Miami with that big three. He's that last piece the Nets need to go over the top. Your thoughts? Okay. I mean, look, I will agree with you with that Harden is adapting very, very well to the Nets offense. Better than I thought. You know, he's not really caring about, you know, the amount of shots he's taken. He's being the point guard. And, you know, he's clearly the best facilitator in the Nets. So I think that does fit his role great. And, you know, in terms of him being the final piece that kind of, you know, puts you guys over the top, uh, like Miami, I think you guys are constructed so much differently. And, you know, the guys in Miami, obviously D-Wade and LeBron, are just, you know, pure two-way wings. That defense was such a heavy part of their team. So it's a little different. And do I think the Nets get the win titles like them? To be determined, but I think Harden is definitely a, a, a good, you know, slept on pick by you. I like that, and he's adapting well. Because we, we, what was the question was who's going to take that back seat? Who's going to be the third guy? It's got to be Kyrie. Like, it has to be. It got to be. Yeah, it has to be him in terms of scoring. But it looks like Harden is taking that back seat slightly in scoring and just tuning it up um, when it comes to facilitating. And maybe that's the better balance, kind of Kyrie being the two guard. Maybe that works, but I think I think it was a great point, buddy. That's that's the thing though about the Nets. I just don't think Kyrie has that mindset where he can say, "Okay, I'll take a step back. I'll be the third guy. I'll be the Chris Bosh of the equation." I, he doesn't have that mindset, Andy. He's been a star all his life, from Duke to Cleveland to Boston, then work out in Boston to now. He just doesn't have that. And I like Kyrie Irving. I really want to like him. I really do. But the off-the-court stuff, how he handles himself on the court sometimes where he thinks he's better than he really is, let's be honest here. When you're teamed up with KD and James Harden, you have to take that back seat. You're playing with probably top 10 scorers to ever play the game. Sure. And listen, Kyrie, I agree with you 100%. You know, it's obviously been all the talk about his ego. The guy just, you know, thinks about himself. Listen, I think, you know, Kyrie's a good person. Obviously, we don't know him at all. Like Kyrie, I think he comes from a good place, but I think he does have an ego when it comes to his own numbers, his own scoring. He wants to be the guy to do it. And we saw that the first couple of games, you know, with the trio, you know, the shot attempts were through the roof for Kyrie. So, I mean, let's see if they'll gel and Harden kind of does that backseat with the playmaking. But uh, I think it'll be interesting. The rest of the year, for sure. So, just to close out basketball, and then we'll break and do take it or leave it to end the show. Why do you think people are sleeping on Nikola Jokic? Man, I think obviously you know Denver is not the the biggest market, Small not market, the flashiest. Right? Uh, you know, yeah, not the flashiest or, or you know sexiest market. You know, Jokic is kind of you know that 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 stoic player kind of like a, a tim duncan mm-hmm. you know that, that that doesn't really talk a lot he's not really in the in, in the mainstream media he just plays goes to work and i think people are still sleeping on the conference finals run they made last year and i put in enough respect on, on the nuggets and especially jokers who i mean the guy is averaging a near triple double for a center absolutely unheard of so he's just phenomenal one of the best passers in the league definitely the best passing big man yeah, I agree. I think I I really think Denver being a smaller market has a lot more to you know do with that. I think more than anything, to be honest with you, because we're seeing L.A. LeBron, Kawhi, um, you know, with the Nets. And, you know, they're not New York; they're Brooklyn. Really? It's, yeah, it's still New York, but you know what I mean. It's not the New York yeah. Nets. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. you know, people don't think of the Nets as the team in town. That's what it's like rooting for. That's what it's like rooting for the Nets in New York City when there's two teams. Anyway, but, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. I, I totally agree. I think he's probably top three big men in the league, if not the best. I think I think that's a little yeah. bit up for debate, maybe. I don't know. But I, I, I think, think that's a debate for another day. 
yeah, that's a debate for another day. Let's not get too caught up on that. Cause, yeah. yeah, I think, yeah. All right, 10 minutes to go here on The Breakdown. We're going to take our second and last break. When we come back, everyone's favorite segment, Take It or Leave It. You're listening to The Breakdown on 90.3 WESS. We will be right back. Ooh, I'm blinded by love. Ooh. I love The weekend. I really do. Oh, he's that guy. He's that guy. Oh, he's the best. All right, Andy, take it or leave it. Let's this go, buddy. Is, yes, yes. One of you guys, you know, favorite of our show we got take it or leave it so we'll give a scenario and me and my co-host will take it or leave it this first one here we'll start with the mlb you know since we didn't do some of the hall of fame talk my co-host and i you know had a a little bit of a debate about this off air so we decided to bring it you know more to light and in our pre-show meeting exactly yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, we're gonna show it to light a little bit and this is about Tim Lincecum potentially, you know, going um, to be in the ballot next year. So, Nick, you know, he's had a very good career, kind of short prime. He won a couple championships. But do you think Tim Lincecum deserves to be in the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. No doubt in my mind. Now, I'm not saying he's first ballot. I'm not saying anything like that. It may take him a while to get in. Two-time Cy Young, four-time All-Star, three-time World Series champ. There have been a lot of guys that have been inducted into the hole, have not made it, have not won World Series. So, I mean, here's my thing too, Andy. We talked about this before, but you know, obviously I'll mention it again. From like 2008 until 2011, give or take 2012, he's the best pitcher in baseball. He really is. Like, and the Giants were, that was the time they were winning World Series every other year. I think starting in what, 2010 was that? Or 2011? So I think when you think of that giant, that San Francisco Giants dynasty in the mid 2000s, you think about Tim Lincecum, you know, I mean, he had like a what? A, he had like. I think it was like three postseason starts, three or four, something along those range, something along that range. He's got a winning record. Yeah. When you have a winning record in the playoffs and you're as dominant as you are, again, I'm not saying first ballot. He's got, but I think he will get in. I will take that to the bank. Tim Linscom belongs oh. in Cooperstown. Okay, this is where me and you, my friend, will not agree. Um, I think you know the Baseball Hall of Fame is just so different from the NBA and the NFL in terms of. You know, the longevity and career, I think, is really so big when it comes to the MLB. Listen, Lincecum's prime is phenomenal. Like you said, four-time All-Star. He was, you know, potentially the best pitcher for a couple years. He has the championships. But in his career, 110 wins. You know, the bar is being lowered and lower for wins. Yes, wins is not a stat that thing anymore, but I think it still matters. Uh, ERA at 3.4 for his career. Um, but I am going to have to leave it. I think he should not get in at all. I think you're lowering the bar of the Hall of Fame if you do this. And, yes, he was a great, great pitcher in his prime, but I just think his career and his prime was not long enough. Listen, have to listen. Leave it. the bar of the Hall of Fame, I think, lowers yeah. itself. Let's be honest here. Baseball writers, all that stuff. That stuff's got to change. We'll get into that next yeah. week. That's that. Yeah, that's we'll that's that a conversation week. for another day. All right. Uh, but we we have a NBA take that I leave it as well. We were talking about you know some of the top teams in both conferences. Obviously in the East, we were talking about you know the Nets, Sixers, a little bit about the Bucks, and you know all the pressure with uh, Giannis, the two-time defending MVP, has not gotten over that hump, and you know has made you know, one conference final, losing in the second round last year. So we wanna kind of see if he gets over that hump and gets, you know, potentially Easter Conference Finals. Um, I want to know your thoughts here, Nick. Take it or leave it. The Bucks will be at the minimum in the Easter Conference Finals come playoff time. Uh, see, if this was last year, I would have said yes. But James Harden, KD, Kyrie... Yeah. Uh, and I'm I, honestly, I'm buying into the Sixers too. 
now that we talked about yeah. it today, I'm buying into the Sixers. I'm going to leave that. I, again, I still don't think that the Bucks have done enough to really keep Giannis happy. They gave him a nice big contract. Okay, they traded for Drew Holiday. I'm sorry, that's not enough for me. And it shouldn't be enough for Giannis to be happy in Milwaukee and be convinced and be, you know, and feel confident that they're going to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Sixers, Nets, Eastern Conference Finals. I will leave that. I think I, I, I will, I'll even say, I think the Bucks are a second or third round exit. Okay, so you think second round. Look, um, as much as I want Giannis to get over that hump, and I think he's just a great player, and I'm not as down on the Drew Holiday's move as you. I think come playoff time, I think it translates much better. I think regular season wins is not what's most important to the Bucks anymore. And I think come playoff time, Drew is a better fit than Bledsoe, but like you said, I'm I'm on the Sixers as well, and the Nets with that talent, it will be hard for me to bet against them. Although you know, you never know what happens. Is Philly going to be fully healthy? Are the Nets going to find their groove? I don't know, but I'm going to have to leave it as well and say Bucks not making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. All right, last one for the day, Andy. Does Deshaun Watson end up? With my beloved New York Jets. Ooh, that you know, as much as much as I want it to happen for you, my boy and my brother, I am gonna have to leave it. Oh. I think I just think I don't know, man. I don't know. They have the pieces, they have what it takes, but I just feel like there's always that, you know, that that, that one team that, that nobody really knows about. That that sleeper team that's just gonna sneak in and and steal the song. That's just my gut. Although the Jets, I think they have a great chance of getting it done. I'm gonna have to leave it. It's just my gut right now. Listen, y'all know where I stand. Deshaun Watson will be a New York Jet. Bold prediction before the draft. Hey, I'm hoping for for your sake. I am hoping and. I think they have a great chance, so I'm really, I really think they might get it done. Buddy, another good show in the books. All yes, right. Sir, yes, sir. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, that does it for us here on The Breakdown here on 90.3 WESS, East Stroudsburg University, East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. Stay tuned for all of our shows coming up. I think we got one coming up at 7 o'clock. I think it's our buddy Kyle O'Rourke, so stay tuned for his show. I believe that's at 7 o'clock. So we'll see you guys next week. Thank you all so much for listening to The Breakdown, and we will be back next week. You've been listening to The Breakdown on 90.3 WESS, and now back to your scheduled programming.